Welcome to Much More Than the Law, a production of the law firm of Much Shellis. I'm your host, Ed Shapiro. On Much More Than the Law, we're going to introduce you to the heartbeat of our firm, its people. We'll discuss developments in the law. We'll get to know some of our clients and some of our community partners. And our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire, maybe share a few laughs along the way. And we really look forward to continuing to share this journey with you. Our guest today is Andrew Silver, who's a member of our business and finance transactional group and one of our rising stars. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to get into it. Outstanding. So we definitely want to talk uh, about um, your work and uh, maybe some of the transactions you're involved with currently. But let's start where we typically start with all our guests, where you grew up, family life, uh, what you did as a kid, things like that. I came from the northwest suburbs of Buffalo Grove. Grew up there all my life before going to college at U of I. From there, went to Kent Law School straight through. So an, an Illinois resident through and through. And then where I come from, my family, you know, I, one of two. I have a sister who's uh, two years younger than me and has special needs. My parents uh, still live in the Chicagoland area today. Outstanding. So you're part of that University of Illinois pipeline. We have uh, a number of fine attorneys and others uh, at our firm who uh, are graduates of that that fine institution. So uh, grew up in, in Buffalo Grove and, and you have one sister. Um, what's her name? Rachel. Can you talk a little bit about your experience in, in growing up with Rachel and sort of how that may have impacted your life, some choices you may have made in your life? Yeah, uh, it's impacted almost all of them including what I do, which is practice law. My sister is um, a high-functioning special needs adult with some learning disabilities and some motor skills deficiencies. She is part of the Kesha program in Chicago, which is an organization that provides living residential and vocational training services for their residents and students and campers through different medium of services. How did it impact my life? So Ever since she was born, I have felt the obligation and the desire to advocate for her on her behalf, which translates pretty seamlessly into the practice of law. Throughout her childhood, my childhood, there were countless instances in which you have to advocate uh, on behalf of someone who doesn't, who can't do it themselves or can't do it as well for themselves, whether it's literally speaking for them because she wasn't able to talk for the first couple of years of her life to just articulating and explaining concepts to her. Advocating for her has evolved over the course of her life and mine in 30-some years of being siblings. However, I would say the seminal moment would be probably when I was a freshman in high school and she was in junior high and middle school. My parents got divorced. And it was at that time when I truly had to advocate for her through a child rep and you know, parent visitation rights. It was actually it's a hard enough situation as it is, but you know, even from the perspective of kids sticking together and siblings being in, in the foxhole together. Um, it was a truly great experience and it opened my eyes up to how you can advocate for someone else in the legal system. And I found it to be an amazing vehicle for me and something that I thought that, you know, if I could do it for myself, I think it would be a pretty great way to make an impact on the world and do it for others. And it's something I've been working towards for better part of two decades and I'll keep going. It, it's been a fun, fun journey. And she's been the real driver of that. For sure. And, you know, many, uh, many of our colleagues and others in our profession talk about law as a calling, uh, as well as a, a profession. And um, what higher calling can there be uh, than to 
advocate for your sister, advocate visitation as a freshman in high school, and then uh, bring all of those experiences and sensibilities, not only to continue to help Rachel, but to the work that you do. Talk about sort of bringing those two worlds together and how that affects your your day-to-day life as an attorney. Back to that origin story, obviously advocating for myself and my sister in that situation was a need-based, you know, you do it out of necessity, literally visiting your parents. Like it it comes down to, you know, something that it's pretty critical thing to decide and, and how it gets split up evenly or when you start something, a passion or or a calling, as you put it, from a need base, it, it's very, very easy to do a great job for others or at least give it your all for something that you just want to do. And a lot of our clients need our services, which is great, but we sign up to do that. And if you want to do that, if you're volunteering to do that, usually you get better work product and a better relationship. And that's both uh, within our much family and with our much clients. And I find that the same thing in my community, in my social circle, people who choose to be places and want to be places are better at it if they've also had to do it out of necessity as well. And it's something I've drawn on in every part of my life. So that's a pretty seamless fusion. Everything is, at least in that part, professionally and socially, it's it's made a lot of sense to come together and work towards that. Well, for sure. I mean, she's blessed to have you and and um, and you her. Right. I mean, to, to, no doubt about to it. so much a part of your life personally and, and professionally. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, um, as we continue to move out of this pandemic, God willing, um, the impact it had on you, on your practice and, and certainly on on Rachel uh, at, at Keshet and and so forth. I think that the back to wanting to be available and wanting to connect when it the ease of it was taken away from us through isolation and quarantine, I certainly know that I still live the same amount of distance away from my parents and my friends, but I was on FaceTime a lot more with people, a lot more video connection, and it isn't the same. There is a tangible difference. And as we come out of it, you're seeing sort of a a rejuvenation of people connecting with other people. But more importantly, it, it allowed me to refocus on being intentional in my relationships, both family, socially, and professionally, if you get on a call with a client, they want to see your face now. That's not something, even though we were able to see each other, no matter, you know, with any, any restrictions before the pandemic, you, people would just circulate a dial-in number and you hit mute, you talk when you're supposed to. And now it's, um, there's a different expectation in client service. And I think it's for the better. It allows us to connect uh, in a different way. You're, you're always looking for how can you provide the best service, especially in our industry. It bleeds well, well into social life. How can you be a better friend? son, husband, brother, uh, community member showing up. And now it doesn't necessarily have to mean you have to get on a plane or get in a car or do all this. Sometimes just showing up means put your screen on, show your face and and be there. And I think a hybrid of those two approaches is going to be how we successfully get out of this pandemic in terms of just interacting with each other. And I actually think it's an exciting time. Uh, and the people who do it well are going to do great. During the pandemic, it really brought out the intentionality of who do you want to invest in and how do you want to do it? And I think just showing up and being available was, um, and obviously being thankful for your health too, just getting through that time, but being intentional about how you spend your time and how you want to give you know, yourself to the things that you're, that you're involved in, it'll change. Yeah, it's a really good point because it really <clears throat> lousy circumstances 
created another dimension of the desire to actually see people face to face. Ideally, we do it in person. You, you visit a colleague, you visit a client, you visit a family member. But now we have this other dimension through FaceTime, through Zoom. And, you know, it's not ideal, but uh, I think it's an important point that, that you make. And it'll be interesting to see how relationships develop uh, as a result of that. And the choices, as you, you know, you talk about intentionality, the choices that people make in terms of connecting with people. I want to move here to the transactional area. You made a choice to be a transactional lawyer. You could have chosen any of the other great areas of practice that that we have at our firm. Explain to us a little bit about uh, your motivation for becoming a transactional lawyer, or what you thought you could bring to that role, and um, you know a little bit about why you chose it. To me, it'd be interesting to get your perspective on this too, right? Being a, a litigator yourself. I do enjoy, especially corporate M&A transactions, I do enjoy at the beginning of the transaction that everybody is working towards a common goal. And it is not necessarily at the center of the onion adverse. There are adverse moments before you get to the finish line, but it is a some positive experience, typically. That, to me, has always been a driver, and I kind of backed into it from a transactional point in that way. I also enjoy the side saddling in either helping a client buy a business, helping a client achieve a goal of selling a business, which can be a multi-generational conquest, especially given our clientele, or three, being outside general counsel to a whole host of companies that look to you to just solve a problem. And and that's the one part where it's different every day. Deals have a, a similar cadence and every deal has its own twists and nuances. The outside GC stuff is what keeps the variety guessing and it, it gives you a, a total taste of what it's like to run a business and and help help people run that business in a successful way. And I, I really enjoy those three aspects of, of my practice, no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, the opportunity and, and what we do all the time as, as <clears throat> litigators, but also as you just mentioned, as a transactional attorney, we're very much problem solvers, right? People call us, people reach out. Uh, there's an issue that they're challenged with, and they want as many options as possible to try to resolve uh, those those problems. You know, what we get to do on a daily basis is really a privilege and makes it challenging, right? Every day is different. different and, the challenges. Other side, and the other side of that, too, is, is we're goal achievers. So you're problem solvers, but you're also goal achievers. A client, clients come to us with goals. Some of them are reactionary and you just purely solve a problem, but the more the, the, there's a whole other nuance to the practice of law when somebody wants to achieve something and how do you need the law as a vehicle to achieve it in, in one way or the other? And I think that that, that is fun. It's a partnership, uh, being an advisor to our clients in a way that I think sets us apart as well, just from a much perspective. And we work with people that do that every day in in a lot of different facets. And it, it's exciting to see. It's, it's cool to be a part of. You know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, mentors and mentorship uh, and and other influences in your in your professional life. I mean, one thing I've, I've learned and I've been doing this for a long time is none of us does this alone. We don't learn how to be good lawyers on our own by sitting in our office. We don't learn how to become great problem solvers uh, on our own. We don't we don't win cases or close transactions on our own. 
and it, it really takes the effort of, of a lot of other people. So talk a little bit about some of the, the influences in your professional life, some of the, the mentors that you have the, you've had the opportunity to work with and how they've, they've impacted your growth and development. Yeah, I, I've been I've been very lucky. I know it's, you know, especially for people in my experience level and how long they've been doing it for. I've been very, very lucky to have access to some tremendous people who are great mentors, not because they have a lot to teach, but because they actually care about what I learn. And there's a difference there. I have felt the investment in myself from other people. Um, and as we go through, as you get more experience, you get more busy and life happens. It's hard to commit time to give a meaningful mentorship both ways. You know, I, I've been very fortunate here, especially to work with people like Mitchell Roth, David Brown, Dave Pilato have been seminal influences in, in my growth, both here at much and just honestly, as an attorney, and then as a person, it's been awesome. And I've learned with people from a whole host of experience levels, Ed, I would consider you a mentor. You know, we've had a wonderful relationship just growing within the firm and talking how, how to be a great much citizen, which we can get into and how it reflects being a good person and a good advocate for your clients. There are too many people to go through, but I, I've been just incredibly lucky to be felt as if though I was invested in by people and it's not just one person. So it's great. Yeah. And it's, it's such a key value uh, of the firm because we're all about trying to make sure that people succeed. If people succeed, and, and are in the best position uh, to grow and develop their practices and client relationships and, and so forth. It's good for everybody. And, and you're right, you know, life gets in the way and there's only so many hours in the day, but just knowing that there are people around that care, mm -hmm. actually care about your growth. And it's not just lip service at our firm. You've described your experience, but just last year we started those you know, separate mentoring groups, which which are on some levels substantive, but on other levels, very personal um, and giving people the space and the safety in a safe container, if you will, to share challenges and ask questions and, and you know, have a few laughs uh, along the way. Again, just knowing that that there are others out there that really do care about about your growth. Even more so, that's just been a more formalized program of something that's been going on here for half a century. So we've been around 50 years. We'll be around for another 50 because of that. People have chose to invest in people at every single level. And if we continue to do that amongst them, nothing else, we'll be, we're, we're going to be just fine, better than fine. So it's been nice to be a part of it, for sure. No question about that. So let's let's <clears throat> talk about maybe some of the deals you're working on currently that may be a different or or interesting i know you're you're always working on a lot of deals so um maybe share a, a few that that are on your plate right now a client that takes up uh you know has been highly uh, acquisitive in in their industry has been a uh recycling and hauling company in the midwest that has done a tremendous amount of strategic MA, which i like which is different than private equity. Strategic M&A is a privately held company where you see opportunities for growth and they've been doing it at a rate that has been fun to be a part of, to say the least. Uh, they have grown a tremendous amount of size over the past few years. And they have a vision to keep growing fast and furious beyond that. The types of deals that they get involved in 
range from all a whole host of sizes and nuances and complexities. And it is a it is a fun, complicated, and challenging client to be a part of, but it is rewarding, no doubt about it. And then we we also represent a lot of private equity independent sponsor in their acquisitions in their specific platform space. It ranges anything from specialty pharmacy to landscaping to dental services to pets wellness to aviation uh, distribution. What's nice is, especially here, we are not specialists, especially on the buy side in our M&A practice. We are industry agnostic, which means that any deal at any time could come through the door. And we have the work experience, the industry experience to handle those in, in a quick, efficient and sophisticated way. But that also means you get a ton of variety. And, and, and that's the one part that I've loved about my job and the work that we do here at Much. The other key component that takes up a lot of part of my time is, is strategic sales, sell side M&A. No question about it is the most rewarding part of our job. Uh, you have a business owner that is either created wealth from nothing or grown, inherited a business and, and then worked to sell it. It is easily the most rewarding thing of the job to be at a closing dinner and to see people achieve what what is probably going to be their greatest business life achievement to be a part of that. It's a cool moment. It just is. It's hard to describe other than you felt like you make a, made a meaningful impact on their lives, their family's lives, and the people who work for that business. It is an incredibly rewarding thing to be a part of. Yeah, what, a, what an awesome experience to have at, a, at certainly at the stage in your career that you're, that you're at to be part of that, to see, um, as you say, you know, multi-generationally businesses being built and then sold and, and just clients being so appreciative and grateful and um, the law is a, is a wonderful profession. It has its incredible challenges and stresses and so forth. But, you know, if you can isolate those moments, um, just like you described, and, and sort of take in the fact that you were actually part of that, you were in that deal, you did everything in your power, along with the transactional team, to, to make this happen and the timing that the client wanted and so forth. And, you know, what a, what a tremendous opportunity to, to feel what that feels like. I mean, the greatest part about that too is just, you know, we're all pretty involved in the community in which we live, right? So we, we always are where our feet are. This firm is very good about that, about being present and it, how that relates to strategic M&A or any of the services that we provide. You know, I see you sell someone's business and then you see them out in the grocery store or out to dinner and it's a it's a familial relationship. They forget it's not a service provider to business owner relationship. They come and give you a hug, and it's it's a great thing. It's a great thing to be a part of. It's a lot more than the uh, the four corners of our office. It's pretty fun. I think that's again also what makes us a little bit different than everybody else. You know, we are we're part of it. You know, there are a lot of choices to be made in the types of practices and the types of firms and the types of clients that you can represent as an attorney. And to have this unique opportunity, which we do, you know, whether it's on the transaction side or the litigation side, new challenges, new new transactions, uh, new problems to solve every day, and um, clients who are appreciative that that you can actually run into at the the store or or at the movie theater uh, pre pandemic um, just makes it all worthwhile. In the pandemic coming out, you know, you're seeing sort of changes in in strategy. What are you seeing? Yeah, I think from an M&A perspective, number one, the competition just to even buy a company is insane right now. 
Um, it's something I've never experienced in my career. The purchase price and the valuations that our clients are putting on some of these businesses are totally market competitive driven. Um, it's a really interesting thing to see. And with that comes certain promises that they make that they normally probably wouldn't. A, a quick timelines to close that I've never seen before. It's getting more condensed, more fast paced, which is great, but it's just something that I think the market is driving in whole. You know, the other thing I'll, I'll say too, is even from a sell side, all the service providers that you need to sell a business right now, especially in the middle market, it's tough to sell a business right now. And just in the sense of even getting a Q of E or, or just ramping up to sell a company, it, it's difficult right now because of the volume. Um, strategic service partners around our industry, um, our community are struggling to keep up with the pace in which business owners want to do things. But I think that that presents a challenge that's fun to take on because if you can find a way to get it done, it just makes it all that more meaningful for the client. You know, it's great that that you get the opportunity to deal with that, address that, handle that, manage that, all of those challenges. You know, you're at a certain stage in your career and learning and very involved and developing and so forth. And planning is, it can be, can be exciting and, and great. But as we all know, coming out of the pandemic, uh, sometimes great plans uh, have to go by the wayside and you have to pivot and, and do other things. But, but when you think about sort of the next phase of your career, the next, you know, two, maybe three years, what are you seeing substantively, personally? What goals do you have? Um, that you're really striving to achieve in that in that period of time? First and foremost, you always just want to grow in the actual area in which you provide, you know, your services. So I, every day, every week, every year, I try and just become a better attorney than I was the day before, the week before, the year before. That's better for us at much. That's better for me. And it's definitely better for our clients. So just continuing to grow in that way will always be paramount to me both near, mid, and long-term. Within the firm, taking on leadership roles and projects that help grow our firm and what we're trying to do, the culture of the people. I've had great opportunities so far to do that, and I just want to keep doing that. Uh, I think that's actually the part of the job that is the most fun, is helping our enterprise either continue to do what it does very well or adapt and do it in a way that will make us do it better. And I think that we have a lot of people that share that same mindset and working collaboratively with those people has been one of the better joys of the job. So just continuing to grow in that, just reacting together as a team and collaborating, it's 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 going to be a fun process. And thirdly, it's just continuing to build my network and service my clients and grow my client base. And however that looks like, time will tell, but we'll always be trying to grow and attend to that and facilitate that for myself and the firm. Yeah, you know, you mentioned culture and, and you know, of the firm and, and and working within that. And it's just such an important part of who we are. It, it Sometimes I find it difficult to describe almost, but it is so it critical. Is. In, it, it, it's so critical in everything we do. You mentioned uh, in the beginning uh, of our talk about, you know, what does it mean to be a good citizen at Much Ellis and part of that culture? I don't think we would have survived for 50 plus years. If that wasn't, in many respects, the number one value. No doubt about it. And it takes a ton of different shapes, right? And different sizes. And it looks like a lot of different things, that concept. As as a younger attorney, the easiest way I think you can do that is to take ownership. Pretty good story. My second day at the firm might have been my first day uh, where 
Uh, I was in the bathroom, believe it or not. Uh, and one of uh, a partner at our firm came in and as I was washing my hands, a, a piece of the paper towel fell on the floor. I happened to not see it. And he turned around and picked it up, put it in the trash and said, take ownership in everything you do here and it will reward you in spades. Wasn't a long conversation, but it's something that stuck with me uh, for a really, really, really long time. I've tried to do that here in whatever I'm involved in and already it has rewarded me in spades, no doubt about it. We're made up of a group of people that think like that and act like that. Even just from a work product perspective or client service, not all of the clients I work on are mine. Most of them aren't at this point in my career. I still act like they are. So if you take ownership in something like that, usually your work product, I found usually you know, my work product and, and the service that you give is better if you take it with that mindset. It's something I learned earlier in my career. And it's also part of just kind of what makes it fun. Well, it's interesting because, you know, as I hear you describe that, it's really caring, right? And it's really what you totally. talked about in terms of your mentoring experience and just knowing someone cares, um, just knowing uh, someone cares uh, about you or someone cares about the firm or someone cares that, about the fact that if there's a inadvertently a piece of paper on the on the floor, they're going to pick it up. They're going to throw it out. It's it's our second home in many ways. And again, that having that value, I think, has sustained us for for all the all these years. I want to switch a little bit. I know uh, you have been involved in a number of organizations. Uh, many people in our firm are very involved in pro bono activities and community groups. And there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful work that is being done in the community by our colleagues. And uh, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your involvement. Sure. Two organizations take up the bulk of my time philanthropically. And number one, we talked about at the top uh, of the podcast here, but, uh, you know, Keshet obviously has a, a, a major role for me for a whole host of reasons. Uh, number one, the work they do for my sister on a micro level, to put it nothing short, is life-changing uh, for myself and my family and especially for my sister. So whatever I can do to give back to that organization, I will. It's a, a debt that you can't put a monetary thing on. So I give my time and, and whatever I can to help them continue to help my sister, but more importantly, everybody else. Uh, they have a lot of different clients and they make impacts in a lot of different ways. And I think it's something that's tangible and it's really important. And of course, passionate. And that comes out of personal experience. And then secondly is the Jewish United Fund of Chicago, JUF. That occupies a lot of my time as well for a whole host of reasons. It's, it's such an important and critical cause, in my opinion. It's, it's uh, something I've always chosen to give my time and effort and energy to. And it, it's just something that will continue to be very, very important to me. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is amazing that, you know, the more people you talk to and find out about what, what they are involved in, it, it really is, again, another value of, w- of what we're trying to bring to the greater community. We've had some tremendous leaders in that regard. You mentioned David Brown before, but but many, many others who really have paved the way for our firm and the people in it to do really, really good work, to do good and to do and to do well. I want to switch gears a little bit right now because what people might be interested to know that we all know at the firm from our various trivia games is that quite a movie buff been known to um, quote movies it's a very impressive skill I must <laughs> add so I'm not 
I'm not going to ask you randomly to quote quote anything from any movies, but you know, talk a little about some of your favorite films. Quoting either movies or shows has just been something that has been out of a necessity. Just even communicating with the group of friends that I had growing up, it's sort of just how we talk to each other. So it's just an interesting, it's an interesting skill to develop, honestly, just retaining that information, just something I got used to. The first movie I ever truly quoted, willingly, unprovoked, was Jerry Maguire. Loved it. That movie has so many different quotes that they're just so fun. It's pure fun. Love all sports movies. Feel the Dreams is something that has always been near and dear to my heart. And then it's just so many comedies too. Wedding Crashers, I Love You Man, Anchorman, Old School. You know, I I just think that those are are such fun movies to watch. It's fun. You know, you mentioned Feel the Dreams. Definitely on my, my top 10 or 20 list every time I watch it. The one scene gets me every single time. Dad, do you want to have a dad? Do you want to have a catch every oh, time? Oh my gosh! It's just one of those moments uh, in film that just um, you know, if you allow yourself to to be embraced by it, just just lets it go. And my dog is full name Archibald Moonlight Graham Silver. We do call him Archie for short. But that is on the quote unquote doggy birth certificate. Very very cool. If if you're listening to the podcast and somehow have not seen Field of Dreams, I, I think you, you get a two thumbs up from uh, Andrew and uh, and myself. So No doubt about it. I, I'll ask you this, this final question, Andrew. I think I know what the answer might be, but I don't want to make any assumptions. What inspires you uh, at this point in your life? I am fortunate to be around people that are doing a lot cooler work and, and just making incredible impacts, honestly, uh, on a daily basis. Working next to, across from, in the same building, on the same team with people who do that, it just makes you want to pull pull your own weight or do as much, if not more, with them. So as far as inspiration, it's just I, I don't have to work too hard. I just have to kind of look around and poke my head out and just kind of see what other people are doing. And it's pretty cool. Where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? Like you said, we've been around for 50 years. We've made a meaningful impact in a lot of different ways on a lot of different people. There's a burden at this generation when you've been around for half a century to keep it going, make it better, make it different, do some of the same things just as well. That's another thing I think about all the time is what is it, what does this firm look like in 5, 10, 20, 25 years? Pretty excited to be a part of it, but that's a challenge that if you don't feel the weight of that, you, you haven't been around, you haven't been paying attention around here. So just being a sponge and figuring out what was done right and how I can how I can help. Yeah, listen, the future is bright. There's no there's no question. Our culture still it keeps driving us forward. And it'll be very interesting to see what the next, as you say, five, 10 years bring and, and where we go. So very excited about that. So Andrew, it's been great speaking with you. Really appreciate you giving us some time here on the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, you really shared some uh, some wonderful personal stories and Um, We're really grateful uh, that you did. So thanks so much for being with us. Happy to pop in and uh, love chatting with you, Ed, always. So anytime. That does it for another episode of Much More Than the Law. Again, we appreciate you joining us for this journey, and uh, we will see you next time.